In August of 2023, Redfin estimates about 60,000 contracts are canceled. That means one in about six contracts that go uh, in escrow get canceled. Today, Kyle and I break down how do we figure out, how can we help our buyers get to the finish line, avoid cancellations, learn the process better, and really help make you uh, more valuable to your client and therefore making you more money at the end. That's what we're going to talk about today on this week's episode of the Wistway Podcast. Kyle, one of the things we're talking about a lot in our meetings uh, and one of the things we're seeing on the front lines is we're seeing more and more and more canceled transactions. Um, as you've been you've been talking to our team about how to mitigate this, I want you to share with the listeners of the podcast as well how to mitigate this, especially because we're seeing, not only is our team seeing it, there's nationwide stats from Redfin that are saying the cancellations are exploding. Yeah, I think in the month of August, there was around 60,000 contracts canceled in a single month, which was somewhere in the neighborhood of like 15, 16% of all the properties that went under contract canceled. Like that's an alarming rate. Like that's, what, that's one out up of six? there. Yeah, around there. That's like around where you were at with like COVID. And then even last year when rates like doubled, like we're we're at similar levels to that right now. So the cancellation rate is through the roof. And then the the biggest thing with this is, in my experience, more so on the buyer side than the seller side, but about 50% of the time when you go under contract with the buyer and that contract cancels, that buyer doesn't end up working with you again. Whether they don't buy at all or they just don't buy with you, in my experience, it's around 50% of the time they're not going to buy with you. So that means if, if we keep these about one in six, uh, so one in 12 contracts that you put in, uh, they won't work with you again. Well, no. If I guess so, one in six falls out, yeah, that, that's accurate. Okay, yeah. And that's that's pretty gnarly. Yeah, and that's a client that you've called, followed up with, set an appointment with, signed some sort of agreement, hopefully. You've done all that work, which is all the hard work, and then they fall out and then shit the bed there. So For sure. I, I want to know, I guess we can talk about it from a buy side and a sell side on the podcast today of, how to prevent it from falling out, yeah? Yeah, so I want to just share a few specific strategies that have worked for our team to mitigate this cancellation risk because last thing I want is to have somebody work their face off to help a buyer find the right home and then let it cancel and lose that buyer completely. So we'll talk mm -hmm. about some of those strategies. Cool. Well, welcome to the Whistle Way podcast. My name is Kyle Whistle with eXp Realty here in San Diego. I'm Brian Kochi, Director of Marketing here at Whistle Realty Group. The goal of the show is to give you the tools, techniques, and tactics to go out there and crush it in your business. The way that we like to do that is to answer the questions that you have for us. So if you ever have a question or a topic you want us to discuss on the show, you can always go to thewhistleway.com. You can ask us questions on there, subscribe to the podcast or YouTube channel, join our referral network for everybody leaving California. Um, also get dialed in in our private Facebook group and email newsletter where we share some tips and tricks of what we're working on internally. And if you want to step up your content creation, we offer a course called the Media Mayor Mastermind. We'll teach you everything Brian and I have learned coming up on nine years together um, creating content. So we'll help yep. shortcut that learning curve for you so you can really level up that content creation all at thewhistleway.com. I'm going to be adding a few more things in there. We've got a social media challenge that we're launching. We're uh, launching a course that we're doing internally to test it out to make sure it works before we release it out. Uh, so that all that will be on the as well. Yep. We've tested two courses and one 
did very well and one did very poorly. And so and we're we'll on release, a third one. Yeah, we'll release the one that did well. That's yep. the cool thing is, right, we test a lot of stuff internally before we share it uh, publicly. So I'm really proud of one. We won't share the one that didn't do well, but we will share the one that did. Yeah. Well, we'll tweak it and we'll make it, we'll, we'll share it once it goes does well. Yeah. All right, so let's get right into it. Uh, so for those of you that aren't uh, <laughs> watching on YouTube, they're just listening. Brian does this weird thing with his arms when he wants to get focused and shift gears. So thank you. <laughs> I don't know if I knew that. I, whatever. Um, let's move into it. So let's talk about if you're on the buy side first. Yep. Let's talk about some ways you're in the buy side and your buyer says, no, nah, I want to cancel the contract. Well, I think you're you're way too far down the road because oh, okay. to mitigate the cancellation risk, this starts way earlier in the process. Okay. So what I find is a lot of agents are never doing a buyer consultation with their buyers. They're never actually sitting down with them and doing a consultation to help one, understand what that buyer's needs are. And then two, to help that buyer understand the process that they're embarking on. I think those are two really, really crucial uh, things that need to happen. And now I get it, right? We work with Zillow. A lot of you guys probably work with Zillow and other companies where the expectation is you're going to take a phone call and you're going to go show them a house. And that's totally cool. I'm happy to go meet anybody in the driveway, right? Like I know face-to-face if I get in front of people, my likelihood of, of turning that into a client is substantially higher. So I want to get in front of as many people as I can. So I'm not saying don't take the like go and show appointment, but I'm saying that before we go under contract, we should sit down and have a consultation. Even if that consultation is while we're writing an offer on the property that we just looked at, that's fine. But we need to have a consultation. So one, I really want to make sure that I understand the buyer's wants and needs. I want to understand where they're at and where they want to go. Is typically there's something they're either running from or there's something they're running towards or there's a combination thereof. The whole pain and pleasure. Yeah, right? Like maybe they've been renting and the landlord just raised the rent for like the sixth year in a row and it's just you're sick of it or you have a shitty landlord or the landlord just sold your house and this is the third time the house has gotten sold that you've been renting, right? Like that's that's common. Um, so I want to, right. Like I want to understand if that's the pain point that we're running away from. That's very, very important information to know, or there's uh, a pleasure that they're running toward like, Oh, our family is growing. We just had twins and we want to have more space and we want that backyard we've never had. So little Fido can run around or I've always dreamt about having a pool and I got a promotion at work and now I can afford the pool. I'm like, what's the pleasure they're running to? So Mm -hmm. I need more than anything, I think where a lot of us go is as as soon as we start thinking about cancellations and stuff, we're like, it's because of rates, it's because of rates. Okay, yes, that's a a big factor right now, but sometimes we're getting fed so much content right now about rates that that's all we're thinking about, when in reality, the buyer's not buying because rates are high or low. Sure, there's going to be a few that like Mm -hmm. are in or out based on rates, but we need to get focused back on like, what is that particular buyer's motivation? What are they running away from? What are they running to? And let's keep everything focused around that. That's the most important thing in this conversation. If we lose sight of what their motivation is, that's where we end up, where the deal falls apart and they're gone, right? The 50% of the time the buyer walks, they walk completely, not just walk from that deal. So I think first and foremost, when we do this consultation, we got to understand the motivation. What are you running away from? What are you running to? Number one. Number two is we have to help prepare them for the the process 
that they're starting and purchasing a home. We need to understand, have they done this before? Have they not? If they have done this before, how long ago was it? What's their, did they do it in this state or did they do it in a different state? Like how involved were they? Do they understand the process? Like I want to understand where they've been and, and then I can help them understand where they're going to. So I like to sit down with the buyer and help them understand how does the home buying process work um, before they go under contract and then what happens once they're under contract. I want to walk them through that process and help them understand it because one of the important things is to help a buyer understand. Now, I don't know how this is in every state. I can only speak for California, but homes in California are sold as is. They are subject to an inspection and a buyer could ask for anything they want, but the home is technically sold as is. A seller has zero obligation to repair a single thing on a home. They don't have to make a repair. Okay. Right? A buyer is going to do an inspection and, and they might come up with a list of repairs. The seller could say, no, take a hike. Um, the buyer could even say, hey, the lender's requiring this repair. They could say, no. Like That's you, where I was pausing. I was like, wait a second, I know, there's I, something. I saw it. I saw it. That's why I went there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and they could say, that's fine. You can pay for the repair, but I'm not. Like, seller has no obligation to make any repairs. They could say no, and the buyer could back out, but they don't have an obligation. So we need to make sure that that's one of the most important parts of this is make sure they understand it's sold as is, subject to an inspection. You can ask for anything you want. Seller doesn't have to say yes. Um, and help them understand how this inspection process works and request for repairs is what we call it in California. It obviously has different names in different states, but that's an important part of it. I think a lot of people don't talk about that part of the buying experience up front. So what ends up happening is that they go under contract, they get an inspection done, and look, these inspectors are hired to find problems. So they're always like, I've had inspectors before, they're, they get upset if they don't find problems. I'm like, well, bro, yeah. it's cool. Like, you, you take the blindfold off after you leave the house. No, well, and it makes sense because um, if they don't find the problem that was obvious and they should have found, now they're liable and they can get sued and there's a whole thing. So, yeah. That, but it's their job to find problems. And you absolutely. have to tell the buyer that. Like, look, the inspector's job is to literally walk through his house and find as many problems as they can. Now, does the seller have to fix them? No, they don't. And then you can go through, you know, whatever's customary for you, your team, your brokerage, whatever, how you guys like to respond to them. Um, you know, we typically are telling people like if it, uh, Matt says it best, like if it's going to cut you, shock if it's going to burn you, if it's going to shock you, like those are the things, or if it's dealing with like the major components of the home, mm -hmm. like those are typically what we're looking for, health and safety or anything dealing with like major components of the home, HVAC, electrical, right? That kind Roofing. of stuff. Roof, like Foundation. that's what we're looking for. Um, if, if it's like there's a, a hole in the wall, like from an old TV, like you, you saw the damn hole in the wall, like, right? Like you knew that was there. And there's stupid little stuff, right? The light switch doesn't work. The garbage disposal's dead. Like, okay, right. 200 bucks, fix it. Yep. So we got to go into it with an understanding that there's, there's going to be some issues. And, and what I found, and I've actually traveled the country and I've asked a lot of people, like on average, when you do a home inspection, what's the typical amount of repairs that are... A home needs and most parts of the country three to five thousand has been a pretty consistent three to five thousand dollars worth of repairs so it's also can be really beneficial to have that conversation with the buyer up front hey in our experience having done this a few thousand times is most homes are going to need repairs i've never once had a home that came back with a hundred percent clean inspection report every home is going to need some repairs some are going to be a little more some are going to be less but what i found on average is about three to five thousand dollars worth of repairs is it's pretty normal. 
Now, we're, we're going to have an opportunity to request the seller make some repairs, and, and we're going to negotiate. We're going to do the best we can to benefit you. But I do want you, Brian, going into this experience to be prepared that you, you need to set aside a few thousand dollars to make some repairs on this home after we close on it. So when we're making our offer, I just want you to keep in mind to maybe set aside five grand just to be safe for some necessary repairs. Do you realize like how much saying that will decrease your cancellation rate? Like telling the buyer up front to prepare for $5,000 in repairs up front. If you tell them that up front, now they go and they do the inspection and there's two, three, four, five grand repairs. You prepared them for that. It's not a surprise to them. Where agents are running into issues is not only do they not tell them to prepare for five grand, they don't even tell them about the inspection or anything. There's mm -hmm. zero conversation of it. They get so excited to write an offer and they're scared to talk about it because they don't want to like put this negative thought in a buyer's mind. So they avoid it. But it's going to happen anyway. But it's going to happen. So they're avoiding this conversation. And we've had this talk before, right? A two minute offense prevents a 20 minute defense. Like this is your two minute offense right here. By telling them upfront about there's going to be an inspection. You're going to have an opportunity to request repairs. No guarantee they're going to say yes. Here's what I found on average. That two-minute offense of preparing them prevents you from being on a 20-minute defense. Now, when I say 20-minute defense, that's uh, that's short. You're talking 20-day defense sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Like it's it can turn into a cluster. So um, that little conversation up front can massively decrease the amount of, of frustration, headaches, and cancellations that you have down the road. So number one is you set the stage with the buyer consult. Uh, and again, this is on the buyer side. Number two, one of the things that we do, I don't know if this is your number two, I I'm going to tell you to talk about well, it I anyways. just gave you two. One, I would say motivation, number one. That's first and foremost, always mm -hmm. the most important thing. So there's the two primary components of it, of the consultation is one, um, understanding their motivation. Number two, preparing them for the process. And number three, sometimes this happens at the consultation. Sometimes it happens immediately following it but is connecting them to your preferred lender. Now, obviously you want the buyer to work with whomever they're most comfortable is gonna give them the best deal, right? We're never going to steer people um, toward anybody. We want to just give them the options that are available, let them make the decision that's best for them. What I have found is best for my clients is to work with the lender that I have worked with hundreds of times before that I know is going to deliver as opposed to the lender at blah, blah, blah credit union that literally the buyer went on their website, put in their social security number and it spat a pre-approval letter out. And I they've mean, never seen a tax return, a bank statement, a pay stub. They put a social security number and they pulled a credit report. The person self-reported their income number and got a pre-approval. Like, it's as good I, as this estimate. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Oops, um, am I not allowed to go there? <laughs> you can go wherever you want. <laughs> um, so the the lending side is is number three, is that a lot of agents, they're they're just taking, oh, buyer's got a pre-approval. Okay, let me go write an offer. They don't, they don't know who the hell the lender is. They've never talked to the lender. Um, and some of these lenders don't talk to the buyer about payment. Like where we've seen a lot of the cancellations happen is buyers go under contract and then they're like, Oh, I can't afford $5,000 a month. I can only afford $3,500 a month. How the fuck are you just finding this out once you're under contract? How is this fucking news to you? Like, did you not meet with a lender before? Did the lender not tell you what the payment was going to be based on the price you were looking at? Like, what? That's insane to me. I, I cannot 
believe how many times that has happened in the last 12 months. Like, it is mind-boggling to me. How the fuck did the lender not talk to the buyer about what the payment's going to be at this particular price? So, one, if they work with your lender, your lender should be having this conversation with yep. them. Um, alternatively, you should be asking if the buyer is working with a lender that's not your preferred lender, you should have a conversation. Hey, have you and the lender discussed what the ideal payment is for you? I use the words either ideal payment or the comfortable payment or the payment that fits your budget. I try to use those words. I never try to say like, what payment are you approved for or qualified for? Like that to me feels like you're, you're putting like, um, a bar up and seeing if they like hit that bar or not. Like that's a little more aggressive. So have you discussed your ideal payment, the, the, the right payment for you, what payment fits your budget? Like, and I want to make sure that the payment they're targeting is in alignment with the price that they're targeting based on today's rates. A rough number is $800 a month per hundred thousand finance. Very rough. All right. And it's fluid with the way, way rates have been. But if I talk to a buyer, say, hey, what's the what's the payment that you're comfortable with? And the buyer says thirty five hundred dollars. But they're looking at million dollar properties like there's a disconnect there. Unless right? they're going to put a lot down <laughs> unless they're going to put a lot down. So we should have that. Right. If, I, if I'm talking to a buyer, if it's a new buyer, they got a lender they're working with and like they just are hell bent and they won't talk to my lender then I've got to say, hey, Brian, out of curiosity, like, what is, what's an ideal monthly payment for you all in? Or uh, what's, what's the payment that's going to fit your guy's budget or your comfort level? Like, I'm going to ask you that question if you're working with another lender and you're going to tell me that number and then I'm going to look at the price you're paying and I'm going to say, okay, great, Brian, what kind of down payment are you guys looking at going with? If you tell me you're putting $200,000 down on a million dollar property and you want a $3,500 a month payment, we're going to have to have a conversation. But the amount of agents, again, who avoid this is huge. Yeah. They're just, agents get so excited to write the offer, they're not having these conversations up front. Yeah, and I don't I don't understand the, the mindset of like, we'll figure it out later. Like, no, <laughs> unless they're like, oh, I forgot. Actually, I can pay six grand a month. Like, that's, that's not something <laughs> you're going to find out later. Um and now this These is, are hard conversations. It's way easier to ask a buyer, like, all right, great. Um, what price do you want to offer? How much when yeah. do you want to close? Those are easy questions to ask. These are hard questions, and a lot of buyers or uh, agents are scared to ask them. Now, I know we a lot of times can do this on the sell side, uh, on the listing side, um, but do we have, do you recommend that, not obviously you're going to say, hey, meet with my preferred lender. They're like, I already got a lender. Do you say, hey, would you... Do you want to cross qual? You want to, you want to ask? Do you want to cross qual? Jeez, Louise! Do you know where I'm going with this? You. No, I'm not going to help Louise. you. I'm just going to let you go. Do you do you say, hey, have my lender do a, a check as well? Just make sure. Yeah. So the way that I'll say it is, it even if they say like, oh, my brother's, my sister's a lender, whatever, say, hey, I, Brian, I totally respect that. With that said, this is arguably the biggest investment you're going to make in your entire life. Wouldn't you agree that you owe it to yourself? to at least have a basis for comparison because Brian, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but even, you know, a quarter point difference in rate, when you stretch that out over the course of 30 years, you're talking about paying tens of thousands of extra dollars. So while I'm sure your brother's probably the best option, wouldn't you still agree that it makes sense to at least get a second option just so you can confirm that for yourself? Cool. Right. That way I'm not talking shit about your brother. Yeah. I'm actually like edifying. I'm sure he's he's gonna he's be obviously the best. Yeah. So that's that's the way that I have that conversation. Very cool. Um, all right. 
So one, finding motivation. Two, understanding the process and, and talking about requests for repairs. Three, connecting them to your preferred lender, someone that you know can get the job done and that you know is not afraid to have those hard conversations with the client. And that's if, if you're an agent afraid to have those tough conversations, if you connect them with a lender that's not afraid, that's perfect. You don't have to be the bad guy. We use plenty of uh, other people on that we refer to our, our clients that yeah. way. They get to be the bad guy. You're like, I know that guy's a jerk, but he's right. So yeah. well, you do it. On or? the lender thing, right? Like, you know, you're saying how crazy it is that there's agents who will like, let's just get it under contract and we'll figure it out. There's a lot of lenders that do the same thing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of lenders like, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Jason Hall, Jason Hall. used to say that all the time. Like the yeah, 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 lender. And then all of a sudden you get under contract and it's like, oh yeah, we can't do that loan. Like or, that happens Or you time. get to like three days before closing like, oh, we never could do it. Like, why did you drag us along this whole time? Yeah. Anyways, all right. Uh, give me another way. Give me a fourth way. A way we can help mitigate contract cancellation for our buyers. Open communication. Cool. I think open communication is key. And that's just globally. That's all the way around the entire transaction. I think that communication is very important, obviously, with the client. That, that should be a no-brainer. Um, also communication with the lender, communication most importantly with the other side of the transaction. Um, where a lot of people, their deals fall apart is it gets into this like battle and we're butting heads with each other and like we need to lock arms and, and or hold hands with each other and walk through this process together. I find a lot of agents, they get very emotional as they get into these transactions. And what I have found is as soon as you get emotional, you lose like your whole job in these in a transaction as an agent is like to be the one regulating emotions and and to make it into a logical decision it is 100 percent your buyers and your sellers have all the right in the world to be emotional about these decisions right this is their their home their house their investment property whatever the case is like it's their money on the line like they're justified to be emotional they hired you to be logical mm-hmm. and to help them make the right decisions. Uh, just like I have a therapist. Like when I, I'm supposed to be emotional when I talk to my therapist, she's supposed to be logical. Like, yeah, if she starts crying, you're like, uh, <laughs> they're there. I'm not getting charged for this, am I? Like, <laughs> yeah, she's like, oh, yeah, I go and, oh, all this negative stuff that happened in my life. Like, wait, no, but it's not about you, bitch. <laughs> you, you should talk to your therapist. Well, yeah. not while I'm talking to my therapist. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to charge you if you start getting emotional with me. Like, be logical. Okay. Help regulate me. So uh, communication's <laughs> huge. We have a saying um, the, in our office is, the only thing worse than a negative update is no update. And I want to say this one a second time because it's that important. The only thing worse than a negative update is no update. What I have found is a lot of times we get into sticky situations in a transaction and we just kind of bury our heads in the sand and hope the storm's going to blow by and we can pop our head up and everything's going to be fine. It just doesn't work that way. We've got to communicate with the other party. So if things start going south, we need to communicate with them. We need to let them know, hey, the buyer's thinking about canceling. Here's the situation. Like, we got to be able to have that tough conversation. Or or maybe the buyer requests $20,000 worth of work and the seller says no. We can't be scared to call the buyer and tell them the seller said no, kick rocks. we got to be able to have that, that difficult conversation, that negative update. We have to be able to give that to them. What happens is we get into these sticky situations and we just avoid the conversation. We just... Don't talk about it. And then the longer you let these things linger, 
the more, you know, bad thoughts creep into people's mind and now things can spiral and the story can become way more than it needs to be. So very important to have open communication all the way around and to make sure we're updating everybody involved, even if it's a negative update. We can't run and hide. We have to have those tough conversations. Additionally, when we're talking about, excuse me, um, when we're talking about communication is if we are going to be making, let's say we're, we're just obviously everything we're talking about is kind of on the buy side today. Just reverse this if you're on the sell side. Pretty logical. Um, but let's say I do an inspection and I'm going to make a big request for repairs to the seller. Don't blindside the listing agent with like a $50,000 request for repairs. Like give them some warning. Let them know, hey, Brian, I want to give you a heads up, man. We just finished up our inspection. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but there's actually some, you know, major cracking in the foundation. I'm going to have my ins um, my foundation contractor come out, provide a bid on it. But I just want to give you a heads up, Brian, just so that you're aware and you can kind of prepare the seller for it. As you know, foundations tend to be a little bit more on the pricey side. So I just want to give you a heads up, right? I'm going to tell you before I even have the foundation person come out. Then I'm going to have the foundation person come out. And then before I send you the actual... Um, request for repairs, I'm going to say, hey, Brian, remember, I, I let you know about the foundation. Well, I got a bid. Um, it's from Jake over at Powerhouse. You probably know Jake. You probably work with him. We've worked with him for, you know, a dozen years now. Um, and here's what needs to be done on the foundation. Here's what it's going to cost. I just want to give you a heads up before I send this over. I didn't want it to catch you by surprise. When you do that, that massively increases your probability of getting acceptance. When you blindside somebody with like a $50,000 request for repairs, what is instantly going to happen? 20 minute defense, right? Mm -hmm. Now you're on the, this is that two minute offense prevents 20 minute defense. This is another example of how a little bit of communication can go a really long way. And I get that on, because if I'm the seller and you tell me that about my house, I'm going to be pissed right now, but it gives me time to cool down. And, and, and then when we get it, be like, well, yeah, that sucks. But, but it allows me to, to get through the emotional side of things and get to the logical side after we, you know, you tell me about it and then, the, the foundation guy comes out and you you do the request for repairs because if I if you tell me all at once and you blindside me as a seller I'm gonna be pissed I'm gonna cancel it I'm not gonna do it and then three weeks later we're gonna go into contract with someone else and I'm gonna do it because then I then I've gotten past that emotional side I'm like well I'm not gonna fix the foundation myself it's got to get done if I want to sell it this has to happen and so you don't want to lose your contract as the the buyer's agent by not giving them time to process. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You got a fifth one for me? Yeah. Fifth one is if you have somebody who wants to cancel, I think one of the first things you need to do is sit down and have a face-to-face. -face. Um, far too often I see people having too high of a dependency on like texting and emailing. I think if somebody's at the point they're considering a cancellation, I think it's really important to sit down face-to-face um, anytime you're having like those deep conversations, I think that that's very, very valuable. If you, if for some reason you can't get face-to-face, -face, Zoom's option two and phone calls option three. Um, so at least we can have tone of voice and everything. But I think it's really important if, if you get a buyer's like, hey, I'm out, I'm done. Okay, hey, Brian, let's let's just take a, we'll get together and we can get that cancellation handled. And then I'm going to sit down and have a, a rational conversation with you. Um, sometimes, you know, people are far more emotional when they're behind a keyboard. When you get face to face, it can have a little more logical conversation. I want to just talk through it and I'll just, you know, sit down. I'll kind of recap where we've been and then we'll have a conversation. All right. All right, Brian. So let's let's assume that we do proceed with the cancellation. What's plan B? I want to talk about that. And if they're like, well, I'm going to find a better deal. OK, well, 
we can pull up on a screen. Like, hey, Brian, let me just show you what else is out there. I know we went under contract, you know, 30 days ago or so. Let me just kind of show you what else is out there. Even if we need to, we'll get in the freaking car and go drive around and look at what else is out there. Um, and then we can go drive around. That's ideal if we meet face to face. But like, hey, Brian, do you have like 30 minutes? Let's just go. I want to go show you the other deals that are on the market. And let's go look at them. And if you go see them, like here's, there's three other homes in your price range in the area you want to be. So let's go see them. And we go look at one, two, three. And one of two things are going to happen. You're either going to find one of those other three is a far better option than the one. And you feel great and like, cool, let's cancel and let's go after property two. Or you're going to go look at those three properties like, oh, gosh, none of these hold a candle to it. And it helps them realize how much they actually loved the original property and makes them fall back in love with it and realize like how plan B is actually not really viable. Like, let's let's stick with it. Like this helped remind me of, of why I fell in love with the property in the first place. And that's phenomenal, especially if you have a buyer that has something that's that they're looking for that's really unique. Like my house that we bought uh, turned into something that we really had to have is two master bedrooms. That's not super common. Uh, if they're looking for, you know, hey, I want a pool and a, and a, and a little pool house or um, uh, ADU or something that's more unique. If they say, hey, I want a three bed, two bath in somewhere in San Diego, then you're much more likely to get that person under contract again. But when they're looking for something very unique, very specific, uh, not only are you looking out for your client's best interest because you know what else is out there, but it's also in your best interest where you're like, it took us three months to find this place. And it could take us another week. It could take us another three months. It could take us five more years until this person sells this place and we can buy it again, depending on how unique it is. So um, I love that tip about going out and showing it because they might be like, yeah, three bed, two bath, they're everywhere in San Diego. Yep. Or, oh, I needed a, a two-story pool with a with a slide that comes out of my master bedroom. Yep. Yep. So if you can get in the car, great. If you can't get in the car, pull it up online, go through it face-to-face with them. The other thing is to help them understand Right, there's times in sales where it makes sense to use big numbers and sen- makes sense to use small numbers. If we're talking about like we're $10,000 apart, is 10,000 seem like a big number or does $80 a month seem like a big number? 10,000 is 10 is a huge number. But if I'm like, hey, Brian, I, I can understand. And man, I, I wish we could get the seller on board with a $10,000 credit. Um, unfortunately, the seller is not willing to do it. So I know 10000 seems like a big number. But at the end of the day, I just want to make sure you and Victoria understand that we're, we're talking about about an $80 a month difference in payment. This sounds so, like a conversation we had about five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so while I can understand that them saying no can be a little difficult, I just want to make sure we're on the same page. We're, we're talking about a, an $80 a month difference in payment. So... Yes, it's frustrating they said no, but can you guys stomach the 80 bucks a month? Like, do you really want to walk away from this deal over $80 a month? No. Right, so sometimes when you just, in sales, you want to use big numbers sometimes, small numbers other times. If we're in a situation like this, if I can break it down to $80 a month versus $10,000, it becomes a lot more palatable to people. And, And sometimes people get so stuck on that big number, if we can talk them down to reality, it can make a big difference. It's great. So to recap, uh, well, he did for those of you guys on the podcast, he did the arm thing again. Did I really? Yeah, he did it. I don't even know that I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> I can't do it. So the five ways to help uh, prevent your deals from getting canceled. One, find out the needs and wants and the motivation of the buyer. Two, uh, help them understand the process. We talked about talking about the request for repairs up front during the buyer consult. 
one thing that you didn't mention, but we also do is we communicate that throughout the process. So yeah, as I mean, that's the next step. first time is at the consultation, then you do it when you order the inspection, and then now you follow up in the, after the inspection. Uh, number three is connecting them with one of your preferred lenders. Uh, so that way you can figure out their ideal payment or the payment that fits their budget. I love those phrases. Um, four is open communication, not only with the client, but with the lender and the other side. You guys are working, you are working with the seller, selling agent together to get this deal done. It's not, uh, you're not competing against each other. You're working together. And number five, it, when they, someone is considering a cancellation, get face to face. Those are good. This was a good episode. Huh? This is really good. I haven't heard you say a lot of these. This, I know. It's always well, fun for me. I, we just winged it. <laughs> uh, very cool. Awesome. Well, hopefully you guys got some value out of the show today. If you did, if you are listening on a podcast platform, if you could subscribe and hook us up with a review, that means the world to us. And one review on a podcast platform is like 100 reviews on Zillow. So those are greatly appreciated. And if you are watching on YouTube, if you can hit the thumbs up button, let YouTube know you enjoyed the content. If you have questions, throw them in the comment section. Brian and I will personally respond. And if you want more of our content on there, hit the subscribe button, the little notification bell, and YouTube will take care of the rest. And again, visit thewhistleway.com if you have some more topics, anything you want us to hit in a future episode. Before we wrap today, one of the things we like to do is something we call our Whistle Widget of the Week. This is something we utilize in our business that saves us time, helps us make more money, or just have a little bit more fun. What do you got, Brian? Mine is something that I never heard about until we bought these, or actually we, we, we traded for these. Uh, we got these new type of cameras that I've, I've never heard of, but... If you have a, a venue space or you're streaming meetings, they're used a lot in uh, big churches streaming. They're called PTZ cameras. Um, and that's the type of camera. It's basically like a high-end security camera that you can control and zoom in and out and move and uh, all this cool stuff. The ones we got are the Fomako, F-O-M-A-K-O, um, 30 times zoom cameras. And we got three of these and we're setting up around our office so that way we can get multiple angles of our meetings, get a lot higher quality, a lot faster setup. So if you have a venue, if you have a media team, if you have something like that, um, or like this, I wouldn't do this in a small studio if you're setting up for you know a little green screen or, or kind of talking head stuff. But if you have a bigger space, uh, look into these PTZ cameras. Um, it was a solution that I didn't even know we had a need for until someone said, hey, I'll trade you this for that. And I said, well, now I want that. So check them out. Cool. The one I have is going to tie into the inspection side of things. Um, this is a company I'm actually looking at investing in personally because um, I think it's such a cool company. So it's utilizing AI in the inspection world. So what it does is you can take your home inspection report, upload it into their system. It will then read your report and then it cross-references what it's read in your report with its database of um, repairs that are needed cross-references the cost to complete said repairs and will spit you out a report and says, hey, here's the 72 things on your inspection that were cited as needing repair and here's an approximate cost to complete each of said repairs, all using AI machine learning to figure out based on the report, the repair that's needed, the cost for the repair, and instead of you having to have a ton of contractors, handy people come out and provide you bids on all this stuff, it just does it automatically 24 hours later, you have a report back 
that tells you rough ideas of how much everything costs. And so now you can use that when you're talking to your uh, buyer to help them understand you know, what issues are big issues and small issues. And then you could use that when you're uh, writing a request for repairs to have numbers to attach to the request that you're making. And that's called The Quick Fix. And it's Q-W-I-K, thequickfix.com. It's really cool. Yeah, I like this software a lot. And especially, I, I love the idea of taking that and being like, okay, well, these are 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 300 bucks. It doesn't matter. But the ones that are 30 grand, 12 grand, that's when you say, okay, let's let's get inspectors out for the roof or the, or the, yeah. the sewer. Yeah, so this, yeah. You, you're going to get this done. If it's a foundation thing, you're still going to have a specialist come yeah. out. But this can nail down so many little, like, oh, the P-trap is flexible tubing instead of rigid tubing. Like, that's an easy one, right? Like we don't need to have a freaking plumber come out. Brian's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but sure. we know Brian. Uh, or there's the there's not a sediment trap on the water heater. Like these are such simple yeah. things. How how dare you, water heater, not have a sediment trap <laughs> for all the sediment? Um, so really cool company. If you guys want a copy of what one of those reports looks like, DM me on Instagram at Kyle Whistle. I'll send you one just so you have a sample of it. Um, but huge fan and supporter of what they're doing over there. Very cool. Awesome, guys. Well, hope you got a ton of value out of the show today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Kyle Whistle with EXP. I'm Brian Kochi. We'll see you next week.